On this episode, we interview the co-founder and president of TruePill. TruePill is an API-connected healthcare infrastructure that empowers their partners to deliver world-class patient experiences. Hope you enjoy. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of RX Radio. I'm your host, Richard Waith, and I'm really excited about today's episode. Uh, a lot of really great innovations happening out in pharmacy. And uh, today we have the co-founder and president of, of TruePill. And I'm really excited to have him on the show today to um, hear about his story, hear about what's going on at TruePill, and, um, and see where we can go with digital health. Um, Sid, welcome to the show. Hey, Richard. Thanks a lot for having me on today. So we, we're going to dive on a couple topics today, which, um, you know, I'm excited to dive into the operations and what you guys are doing and, and how um, you've been able to kind of transform the um, direct-to-consumer and, and pharmacy operations. But before we get into all that, can you just um, tell the listeners a quick intro to yourself and um, tell us a little bit about your journey? Sure. My, my background actually is in product and technology, so not a lot of pharmacy experience or healthcare experience in, in my background. I come from more of a startup background. I started a company back in 20, 2009, rather. I sold that company to LinkedIn. I spent about four years at LinkedIn, then I left to eventually start TruePill in, in early 2016. So my background, I, I studied engineering in college. I sort of had a first job out of college, bounced around a few different locations, and eventually got hooked into Silicon Valley and the way technology products were designed and built here. And my first job out of college, interestingly, was in healthcare. I worked at Johnson & Johnson in, in a few different roles. And eventually here I am now, almost 10 years later, coming full circle back to that first role out of college. And I remember leaving healthcare saying, wow, there's no way I'd ever end, end up back in this industry. It's just too slow. It's too regulated. And I shift into technology. But then as you get older and wiser, you start to realize that those technology instincts, what you've sort of spent the last decade building, if you bring that into an industry that is historically slow moving and, and you're going through a consumerization shift, which we're certainly going through in healthcare today, you certainly see a lot of magical things happen. And I, I think our, our journey is, is, is a part of that story, hopefully. Well, you know, speaking of magical things happening, it's pretty amazing kind of what TruePill is doing. Um, you know, I've, I've heard about s some of these back-end operations and how, you know, you're able to scale and, and you know, make things possible uh, behind the scenes for a lot of different organizations. So uh, give us a little bit about, uh, tell us a little bit about the beginning of TruePill and, and kind of the, the brick and mortar beginnings, if you will. Sure. I still remember our very first pharmacy, like it was almost yesterday, it was almost now four or five years ago, we rented out this this tiny room in, in Hayward, California. It's in the east side of the, the San Francisco Bay Area. And I remember it because it was literally the cheapest piece of real estate you could find. It was above, it was on the second floor of this strip mall. On the first floor was like a dry cleaner. There was a, um, a shoe store where you fix stuff, a dry cleaners, and then a, a subway. That's That was like our daily staple that we would go to every single day for lunch. It was the only thing in the vicinity beside the Sonic where you could get food out there. And so we rented out this tiny, it was about 250 square foot of space. And in pharmacy, what people don't tell you is it, it takes a long time to get a pharmacy set up, to go through the regulatory pathways, to get your insurance contract set up. It, and 
end to end probably can take you roughly about 12 months. Now we've certainly figured out how to do that a lot faster now, building multiple pharmacy footprints across the country. But that first one took a while. And when you submit your very first pharmacy board application in the state of California, you already need to have your your space secured. You need to have that lease signed. So we're like, look, we're going to sit here for 12 months. Why are we going to spend or burn a lot of money on a really expensive, fancy place? We could always switch the address or, or change the location of the pharmacy at a later date, which, to, which now we've done several times moving to larger and larger locations over the last four or five years. But that was how we all got started. And Omar was a pharmacist. My co-founder was a pharmacist. And he had spent the last 10 plus years in retail pharmacy and, and just walked away with a level of frustration of there's only so much you can do in a retail setting. And, and the writing was on the wall that we were going through this new consumerization shift in healthcare where now patients were going online and grading these, these amazing end-to-end telehealth experiences, yet they were still having to go back into a Rite Aid, Walgreens, CVS to pick up their prescriptions. And so that really felt broken to us. And our Initial thesis with the first pharmacy that we launched was, what would it look like to be that back-end fulfillment operation? What would it look like if we built it on a foundation of APIs? And I still remember the aspirational companies that we followed then and still today is, think about what Stripe did in pharmacy or or Shopify did in e-commerce. What would it look like to do that in pharmacy? And since then, our, our vision has expanded to now thinking about how we can build infrastructure across the entire healthcare ecosystem. But it all started with that 200 square foot pharmacy in, in Hayward, California. So what is Trupil exactly? For people that may have never heard of this company and, and the operational side of it, what, what is it exactly and what does it do for organizations? Trupil is a digital health platform that combines telehealth, diagnostics, and pharmacy into one single platform. And so when you break down those individual business units, pharmacy is, is very straightforward. We're moving medications from our location delivered into patients' homes. Our telehealth business unit is all about connecting patients with a provider for either a online visit, a phone visit, or in many cases, an asynchronous visit over an online questionnaire. And the third component of our business is lab testing, is is how do we get about 100 or so lab tests into a patient's home so they can collect their sample and send it back with the convenience of never having to go into a lab. And what we do in the market is we bring these services together into a single platform that we now go and sell into our health plan partners or our drug manufacturer clients or our direct-to-consumer healthcare brands. And so the way we view the world is we've seen how consumerization has taken hold of every industry. And for whatever reason, or for a variety of reasons rather, healthcare has been one are the slower adopters of consumerization. But we're going through that shift right now. And if you believe that we're going through almost our consumer health gold rush, if you will, our philosophy is is how do we become the picks and shovels platform business that's powering that transition? So we go to our partners and say, we can help you build your ideal end-to-end consumer experience. If it involves a lab test, a doctor visit, a prescription product, let us show you how we can do it in a white label manner. So for us, when we fast forward, maybe three, four, five, 10 years down the road, and we look back and we've seen this full consumerization of healthcare, all the experiences that consumers will be using to get their healthcare online and through digital channels, if they're touching a TruePill asset behind the scenes without even maybe knowing that it's TruePill behind the scenes because everything we do is white labeled, to us, that's what success looks like. It's being involved in every part of the stack as we shift over to this 
digital first healthcare world. So I definitely want to go into the uh, kind of the home diagnostics and the telehealth side of things. But in terms of the direct to consumer kind of pharmacy side of things, like the fulfillment part, what is that like? Like I see that you, you know, some of the partners that you serve are like HIMSS, HERS, um, Nurse or NurseX. I, I really don't know how to pronounce them yet, but, uh, uh, you know, how, how do you, yeah, yeah. NERX, yeah. How, how do you, how do you serve these customers specifically, like from a, from a pharmacy um, fulfillment side of things? When you look at the, the first phase of customers in, in digital consumer health brands, the ones you reference, Hims and Hers, a Nurex, a GoodRx, for example, they all plug into our pharmacy infrastructure using our technology APIs. And, and the technology APIs are simply a means to get medication delivered from our pharmacy into their patient's home. So let's use an example like Hims and Hers, one of our fastest growing customers, one of our largest customers. And when you go onto their website today, you'll answer a set of clinical questions about let's say you're going through a men's health consult, for example, and you'll answer a set of questions. You may need to submit uh, photos depending on the clinical area that you're, you're getting help for. And once a doctor on the HIMSS team makes a determination that you're safe to receive a prescription, that prescription then flows into the TruePill ecosystem. We receive that prescription along with API requests from the HIMSS team telling us, hey, TruePill, I need you to send out this prescription to this patient. But where we come in to add a lot of unique functionality, where we're differentiated from the existing pharmacy infrastructure in the world, is we're able to provide a level of customization that really helps the HIMS and HERS brand shine. For example, when you look at a HIMS medication vial, it's got an imprinted logo on the top. It's got a customized label. Everything in the box is carefully curated by the HIMS and HERS brand team. They have spent a lot of time and effort to build an immaculate end-to-end -end patient experience, and it's our job as their partner to uphold that brand vision down to every last detail in the box. They will tell us in our API request, for example, things like, hey, we need to put in this marketing insert, or hey, it's a first-time user, we need this welcome letter to go in, or we're doing a seasonal promo, we need the seasonal gift to go into the box as well. And that's all configured at the API level. They're passing in instructions to us on how we should configure that kit to the patient, our pharmacy team then receives it in one of our locations across the country. They put together this package using HIMS branded materials, the medication that's gonna go into the box and eventually shifts it out to that patient. And if you're a patient receiving one of these kits in the mail, you're gonna have a delightful experience unboxing this kit. And you may not even realize that that medication or the whole kit came from TruePill and that specific medication vial was dispensed by a TruePill pharmacist. But that's intentionally by design because your experience as a consumer was with the HIMS and HERS brand. You trust their brand. They're the ones delivering the service and we're behind the scenes helping them uh, realize that vision. Now, how far is it, is there potential there? Like, w let's say I'm, you know, Richard, the pharmacist, you know, that serves and I have a specific community of people that I'd love to serve and be their pharmacy. Does that go all the way down to like, you know, someone that can just build like a personal brand for themselves where they can eventually tap into something like this or, do you, is it really the vision really for like larger brands um, and, and like, like GoodRx, let's say, for example? Yeah, I'd say about 18 months ago, we started to see a, a large shift. A lot of this was driven certainly by COVID, but even before the, the pandemic, we started to see this shift towards the largest incumbents in healthcare that you're referencing, the, the existing pharmacy infrastructure, existing health plans and payers. All of them started turning to TruePill saying, we also want to consumerize our experiences. And I think uh, going back to the essence of your question, 
we're going to start to see a, a new standard for how front-end pharmacy will be delivered. And you can look online for, for several flows out there, whether it's Amazon Pharmacy or the GoodRx Gold Experience or um, other direct-to-consumer pharmacy brands out there. They're setting the standard for what a good consumer-first experience looks like. Our job is, is to look across the market to build that experience, but do it in a manner that helps our partners, say the health plans, build those new front door experiences. So I think what we're seeing very clearly now is we're taking the best of what we've learned over the last three or four years from this huge uprise in direct-to-consumer brands and really redefining how healthcare is delivered. And we're seeing that spill over into the largest incumbents in the industry who are historically, they're not known for building necessarily delightful consumer experiences. And, and they're not necessarily known for achieving 70 or 80 plus on a, from an NPS score standpoint. But now we're at a time now where consumers are not only expanding, not only expecting rather that type of experience, they're demanding that level of 80 plus NPS experience. And so our job is to help some of the largest health plan payers, even drug manufacturers today, employer clients, figure out how they can deliver these delightful end-to-end -end consumer experiences that include the, the pharmacy component. So far beyond the initial founding thesis of Truepill of powering just direct-to-consumer health brands. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Yeah, it's just, sorry to go off on that random question there, but it's just, you know, one day I envisioned just pharmacists kind of having their own brand with pharmacies and, and just being able to not have to worry about the logistics of, of the uh, operations of getting a prescription to a patient. But uh, that was just a, a random, random aside there. Anyway, all right, so uh, moving on to kind of the, um, the telehealth side, you touched on telehealth and home diagnostics. Um, you know, over the last year, how was that really, like give us some insight into what that looks like for um, for, for organizations that you're providing some of these services to? Sure. For, for us at TruePill, the expansion into telehealth and, and diagnostics were, were really natural extensions of, of what was needed in virtual care. When you go experience a, a telehealth visit, and you may have done it for the first time, frankly, during the pandemic, usually there's two most common things that happen when you go through one of these online consultations. Number one, you're usually diagnosed, treated, and given a prescription to then receive a certain medication. Or the second most common intervention might be that a provider needs to collect more information to eventually do the diagnosis and treatment. So they'll write a lab requisition for a specific lab test. And so when we looked at the outputs of what happened in a typical virtual care visit, it became very clear to us that it was the pharmacy component, which is where we started, and also the lab testing component, which is used as a way to eventually get to a diagnosis and a treatment and, a, and, and maybe even a prescription where clinically relevant. And so we've always referenced this as the three legs in the stool, the, the three components that help us deliver 80% of healthcare through a virtual setting. You need these three components. You can't do it with just pharmacy. You can't do it with just telehealth. And so we really think of this as the trifecta to help us usher in this, this new era of consumer-driven healthcare. And so for us, it, it started in 2019, beginning to expand and lay the, the groundwork to, to get into telehealth, and then more recently in 2020, getting into diagnostics. And we saw this all come together with a very large program we did with the United Healthcare Group around uh, flu COVID. And th the premise for this program was that this year was the first time, or last fall when we, when we launched the program, was the first time ever that we were going to enter the, our first flu season as a country where we're in the midst of a pandemic. And so when you think about 
very at-risk senior citizens that typically get hospitalized for something as simple as the flu, COVID was the worst time to have that happen, where you might just have a flu symptom. You do not want to be hospitalized for that in a COVID environment that we were facing all through 2020. And so the intent of the program was, was how do you design a at-home kit that includes a Bluetooth thermometer, flu medication, and a COVID lab test combined with a doctor visit? How do you bring that all together in an at-home kit that shows up at your doorstep to remind you a patient that is at risk and usually above the age of 65? These were the most at-risk vulnerable patients in our country that were going through the, this flu season with potential risk of they're going to experience symptoms through this flu season and they're not going to know what to do when they face those symptoms. And so our providers help guide these patients through scenarios, real life scenarios of looking at the temperature, looking at the other clinical symptoms that the patient is facing, and then guiding that patient to say, I think we, you should take that COVID test, or maybe you need to take that flu medication. And what we saw happen in, in practice was in some cases also intervening and saying that we think you should go to urgent care immediately, or we're gonna even call an ambulance to come get you to take you into a hospital setting because that's how serious it gotten in certain situations. And when you zoom out for a second and look at what this program entailed, it touched every pillar of our business from the lab testing component to the telehealth visit to the flu medication that came in the kit. You couldn't deliver that type of innovative program if you didn't have these three pillars of your business in place. And so really that was the uh, poster child, if you will, of our, our programs that we launched last year that for the first time maybe showed what's possible when you combine these three business units. And I think this year will be a lot more of that, where you'll see synergies between telehealth and diagnostics or, or telehealth and pharmacy. And you'll see these types of programs launched where it's more than just one area or one pillar of our business being leveraged. That's really interesting. And I think it, something like that goes through, you know, how does that actually get to the patient? I mean, you, you mentioned it was through United Healthcare. Um, so is that something that they work with the, the providers on, like the doctor's offices or um, does it go through pharmacies? What is the experience, I guess, for the patient like in terms of, of being able to just even get access to something like that? Yeah, so we marketed to several million members in the United Healthcare uh, audience that were the, the prime candidates for this program. We built a website for them to come and onboard, answer a set of clinical questions. But to answer your question, there was no other pharmacy involved. There was no other providers involved. These were all true pill all Truepill infrastructure that powered this program, our third-party providers, our pharmacy that was dispensing it. So all the patient did was come to a website, answer a set of questions, and in a couple of days, that kit would show up at their doorstep. And when they experienced symptoms, there was a big phone number on the box that they would call into to say, hey, I'm experiencing symptoms. And in real time, they were connected to one of our telehealth providers that would then guide them through this consultation. And we did a lot of cool, innovative things in this program where one of the prerequisites while you're calling into that telehealth provider on the TruePill team to get your consult, you're taking your temperature using that Bluetooth thermometer. So by the time the doctor gets on the line in their EMR, they're seeing that the patient's thermometer reading because this data was being piped back up through the TruePill infrastructure. We did an innovative program or a subset of these patients getting their medication in a locked box because you have to remember here that patients were getting flu medication in the mail before they had the flu or before they had symptoms. And so we ran a beta program for a subset of, of these patients where the medication came in a locked box. And 
when the provider would talk to that patient on the phone and make the clinical decision to advise the patient to say, I think you should take the flu medication or the Tamiflu or the generic Tamiflu in this case, they would then press a button and in the Truepill EMR that would unlock that box remotely. And so we did a ton of innovative things and really proud of this program because it speaks to the essence of what we're trying to do as a company. None of this was done through traditional pharmacy infrastructure or traditional in-person uh, providers that these patients have. It was all done through the Truepill infrastructure end-to-end. Yeah, we're actually going through that right now, the, the, the process of how these medications expired. You hold on to it for the next flu season because these medications have a generally long shelf life. So when we think about how to reinstate this program in 2021, those are the types of things that, that we're making decisions on as we speak when we think about how to revamp this program for, for 2021. So, so to be determined, but in general, this is really the innovation that went into this program from a clinical standpoint, from our teams, from the United Healthcare teams, from third-party infectious disease specialists is, is really, really unique in the sense that where we're heading here is this concept of a, today we all have medicine cabinets in our home and we've got Tylenol, cough and cold medication stocked up for, for situations when you run into symptoms. What does the world look like when you have a locked pharmacy at, at your home for different common conditions that you may need? What does that world look like? And, and you can start to see that some of the work that we're doing is setting up the, the foundation for a world where that, that could be a reality. You know what's, and this is going to be extremely random, but I recently had a conversation with a couple of pharmacist friends that, and we were talking about like the potential future of 3D printing, like especially at the consumer level. Um, and obviously this is real futuristic. This is not something on the horizon necessarily that, unless you might know something, but what the interesting thing that popped up about it was the people were concerned, well, what about like people just, you know, willy nilly 3D printing stuff in their own home. But then the concept of, well, maybe, you know, there has to still be some sort of mechanism to have a provider like press a button that allows that 3D printing to happen. And it's a very similar concept, even thinking about this lock, this locked pharmacy in your home. Um, and, I, and I think this is obviously you're doing it now. So this is obviously much more on the horizon. But that's very fascinating to think of, you know, we're starting to trust and, and have still these safeguards in place where, you know, there's still providers involved. And a lot of times people think about when these things start to happen, you know, where does the safeguards start to happen? And where does the safe, like, what about the, the concern for the health and the safety of the patient? But being able to create technologies like you all are doing, it sounds like you're still able to have those safeguards in place, which sounds really awesome. Totally. I think there's, there's endless possibilities here, but you always have to keep the patient's safety in mind. And, and, and we always have to remember this is a highly regulated industry when you've got the FDA involved in certain components of it from a drug standpoint. You've got medical boards that are deciding how telehealth laws are going to be written across all 50 states in the country and pharmacy board laws that are dealing with how these medications need to be dispensed. All three are, are driving the, this future of consumerization of healthcare, but it's a known entity and they exist for that very reason of protecting and, 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 and outlining guardrails to protect the patient's safety at the end of the day. 
but it doesn't mean that you can't build frictionless experiences that, that can delight consumers. I, I think that there's this fallacy that because of all this regulation, it's impossible to design a good experience or because of how clunky healthcare is in America today or how the incentives are misaligned, you can't deliver good healthcare. And I think that's far from the truth. And we're starting to see the early signs of you can build truly 10x better end-to-end -end patient experiences that are getting NPS scores that rival companies like Apple. And I think that's just really cool to see that we haven't seen that in healthcare before. And, and we're going through this where routinely now I'll see NPS scores of our partners and customers and, and brands out there that are achieving really high NPS scores. And I think that speaks to this consumerization shift in healthcare is really resonating with patients and it's reflected in, in those customer satisfaction surveys and NPS surveys that are that we routinely measure ourselves against. Yeah, really, really exciting stuff. And, um, and I think that I'm definitely going to keep an eye on what this kind of turns into and how, because there's and now, you know, my mind is just rolling with all the other different ways that, you know, beyond just a flu treatment that this can scale to. So it's really interesting. Um, now let's switch uh, topics a little bit here and talk about digital therapeutics and, and one of the partners that you're working with now. Digital therapeutics have been kind of, uh, you know, one of the buzzwords, I think, in the last couple of years with um, the, you know, the ever-changing way that we provide care. Um, and Pair Therapeutics was one of the organizations or companies that was leading the way on that. And I saw that you've been working with them recently. Can you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how, how you and um, TruePill and Pair Therapeutics have been working together? Digital therapeutics is a perfect example, Richard, of, of that innovation that we're seeing in healthcare. And uh, you went to sort of that 3D printing example. I think digital therapeutics is just part of that journey. Now we're in this world today where it's no longer about dispensing a pill or no longer about just dispensing a lab test. Digital therapeutics, for, for those or folks that are not familiar with it, it's the concept of an app being the therapy or being the medication. It's you, you take out your iPhone or your Android, you get access to an app, and that is the clinical therapy. And what is extremely fascinating about this industry is that it's still governed by the, the FDA, and it's governed by the normal pharmacy workflows that are defined in, in today's pharmacy industry. And so a provider, a doctor, determines that you're a candidate for a certain digital therapeutic, and they'll write you a prescription for that, and it has to go through traditional pharmacy channels. And so when you look at the infrastructure that we built and you looked across the country and you asked this question, well, who is, who is positioned to even dispense a digital therapeutic? And frankly, even zooming back for a second, like what does it mean to dispense a digital therapy? Like pharmacists are used to verifying a medication, making sure it's safe for you to take it, verifying the physical pill during the different verification steps. And now we're facing this like new frontier where a pharmacist is going to make a decision on whether a patient should or should not get an app, like how does that work? Like what does that mean? And when we started working with this digital therapeutics company, it became very clear that we were the only pharmacy in the country that is equipped to solve this problem. The way we designed our infrastructure from the ground up to be API driven, it was easy for us to flex into this concept of instead of giving you an API callback that tells you that your medication has been dispensed and here is your tracking URL, we interject or intercept that step and instead send back an unlock code to the provider and, 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 and for that patient to get access to that. So, so think about that for a minute. It's a provider is with a patient and let's use an example of a substance abuse clinic. And that provider makes the determination that a patient might be a good candidate for 
a substance abuse app, a digital therapeutic in that category. They write the prescription for that app. That prescription comes into the TruePill infrastructure. Within minutes, a pharmacist has reviewed, verified that prescription. They pressed a button in our operating system that then now sends back an unlock code to the provider, unlocking the app for that patient to use. And that all happens while that patient is sitting with that provider getting ready to use the, the app to solve their, their issue. And I think that's just a, a cool example of where healthcare is headed today. Digital therapeutics, it, it has unbounded possibilities in terms of the different disease states and therapy areas that you can solve with this behavioral therapy approach to uh, a number of different areas from a clinical standpoint. And so just really exciting that as we see this industry evolve, it it's a clear example of well, how would you do this with the existing infrastructure in the world, the existing pharmacy footprint? And, and the answer is you can't. You need some someone like TruePill. And that's what's super exciting about the, the work that we're doing with, with paratherapeutics. And we're really excited to see how the overall industry just evolves and grows because we think there's tons of potential in that category. Yeah, and I think, you know, the paradigm shift for me, like I just couldn't wrap my head around, what do you mean you're going to prescribe an app? You know, like it's just, it's a crazy thing to think about. Um, but it's, it's so, you know, it, it, and what's crazy that it, it does have to be FDA approved and it has to, you know, be able to demonstrate clinical effectiveness. And, you know, it, it's kind of crazy now that it's, it's not an actual cream or a pill or some sort of dosage form that um, is being consumed by the patient. So it's definitely, and I'm so uneducated in space. It's like, as a pharmacist, I don't even know what to, what am I looking for to know if this is the right app for the patient? You know, like it's, there's so much, there's so much that goes along with this. It's, it's, it's an awesome time, I think, for um, especially for pharmacists to be a part of and, and glad to hear that there's an organization that's, um, you know, leading the way with being able to dispense um, some of these digital therapeutics. So um, now in terms of the uh, kind of going towards support for the pandemic and kind of what pharmacies have been going through over the course of the last year, um, how uh, how has TruePill been able to support some of these organizations with um, with dealing with um, the challenges that come along with kind of trying to provide care during a pandemic? 2020 was certainly a transformational year for, for every business out there. We've all had to adapt. And I think in healthcare, especially uh, trying to understand what the pandemic would, would mean at the start of it in, in, in early spring of last year through the pandemic to now even starting to think about where are we in the current phase of, of the pandemic? I, I recently heard someone speaking and they described it as they think we're about three eighths of the way through the pandemic. And so when you think about that and zoom out for a second, it's like, wow, we've still got a long way to go in terms of getting out of this pandemic, and, and we need to understand what that means for, for 2021. And then even looking ahead to 2022, what does that new normal look like? And for us at Trupo, I think we've been very energized by the fact that there's never been a better time to build the type of company that we are. From a platform standpoint, we're enabling every health plan to think about how to address the, the pandemic. We're helping employer clients start to think about how do they help employees get back to work safely with the appropriate amount of, of COVID testing? And so the, the possibilities have just emerged in terms of that the pandemic has certainly accelerated some of the largest companies to evolve really quickly. Because if you continue to, to deliver healthcare in the way you did pre-pandemic, then the reality is your core business model would have been severely threatened or, or may not even have survived in some cases. And so you, you were forced to adapt. And so the pandemic in a lot of ways was it was an accelerant for our business. We saw tremendous growth through through the pandemic. We saw our best performing year by far. And 
And we're starting to see a continuation of that spilling over into 2021. And so it's just been exciting to see how typically maybe some of these larger organizations that, that take a little bit longer to move or a little slower to move, we've seen more innovation in the last six months and then frankly might take five years to see happen in healthcare just because we've been forced to change as, as a society and as a healthcare ecosystem. And so I think uh, that change is still happening and it's, it's rapidly evolving. You, you can just follow what's going on in the, the diagnostic space on, on COVID and, and each day it's evolving in terms of antigen tests or, or PCR tests at home versus OTC, the different designations that the FDA is gonna hand out. This is unfolding as we speak. And, and so in many ways, it feels like we're really lucky to have a front row seat to this and maybe be a platform that helps enable and deliver these types of, of new innovations into the market, which is uh, a really fun time to be building building our business. Now, speaking of building the business, we, we kind of touched on a lot of what you um, you know have currently done and, and especially over the course of the last year and how you're serving organizations. But I'm really curious to know what's on the horizon for TruePill. For us, we've seen continued growth in our direct-to-consumer health brands. It's, it's the reason we exist as a company where we started back in 2016. And in many ways, I think we're just scratching the surface in the clinical areas that we can service. And you're going to see continued growth, and we want to make sure that we are the platform company that all these direct-to-consumer experiences turn to and, and use to fuel that, that consumer shift in healthcare. So I think that's going to be a continuation of, of our business in terms of growing that pie and continue to onboard new customers every month as we continue to see all the possibilities that will unfold in direct-to-consumer healthcare. So that's one part of our journey. The second, and where a lot of our focus is today, is it's helping some of the larger organizations, the health plans, the, the incumbents that have been faced with trying to deal with how to consumerize their businesses. When you think about your health plan today, I don't think anyone, it's not too far to say that, nobody thinks about their health plan as the most consumer-friendly or consumer standard for online experiences. That's probably not in anyone's vocabulary today, but I think in the very near future, it will be, as these companies are starting to realize that we are seeing an unbundling of, of primary care, an unbundling of healthcare. And by that, I mean, today, a consumer is going to GutRx to find a prescription discount program. They're then using a service like Hims and Hers for a mental health issue. They're then taking out their smartphone and connecting with a doctor on demand provider because their child is home at sick, their child at home is sick. And this is what we describe as the consumerization of healthcare. It's happening right now. And some of the largest health plans and payers are, are reacting to this. They need to adapt to this. They need to think about how they can consumerize their experiences. And a lot of the work that we're doing right now is focused in helping them get there, helping them think about how to build consumer first experiences for their millions and millions of members. And so I'd say the focus of the company today is largely continuing to see our direct-to-consumer health brands grow and spending a lot of time with uh, health plans and payers today as they sink their teeth into what this whole consumerization shifts mean for them. Interesting. So now uh, kind of a bonus question here, but I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on because I feel like you have such a pulse on, on a lot that's going on with, um, with technology and, and healthcare. What is the, what's like the single piece of technology that's like really exciting to you that's related to healthcare, um, or at least might like maybe that you're seeing it out in the wild now, or something that you've kind of feel like it's on the horizon, you know, not me necessarily being utilized yet. 
um, and but has like a lot of promise in healthcare. What, what comes to mind with that question? Oh, there's just so much stuff happening, Richard. I mean, uh, let, let's see. I'm a technologist at heart, so it's going to be hard for me to to pick one specific area. But the one the one I always come back to that's sort of now second nature for me is is just APIs. It might not sound cool. It might not sound sexy, but um, wait, what is an API? Folks in the pharmacy industry, if they Google API, they might run into active pharmaceutical, active <laughs> pharmaceutical right. ingredients. So API being that underlying molecular ingredients. You know, I'm referring to technology APIs and uh, not to be confused with active pharmaceutical ingredients. I remember we were talking to early days uh, <laughs> supply chain folks that when we're buying our, our drugs, and I talk about, yeah, we're an API-driven pharmacy. And it's like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean you're an active pharmaceutical ingredient driven pharmacy? Of course, every pharmacy has APIs. And like, no, no, okay, now I get it. That's funny. So we were just like crossing wires in terms of our language. And the simplest way to define an API is it's a means to communicate between two different systems. Think of an API as a way to pass along instructions. When you go back to that initial example I shared, when HIMSS is telling us how to configure and package their kit that goes out to their patient, they are sending that information over an API request. It's an HTTP request that contains a lot of information that tells us all the details of what needs to go into that box and where it's getting shipped to and what medication and how many pills, for example. And so that's the easiest way to explain what an API is. It's just a way to communicate in a standardized or common language. And what's really powerful about APIs is we publicly document all of our APIs. So you can see what data needs to be sent in and what data you'll get back. And I think that's a large part of the battle in healthcare of providing that radical transparency of what data is being passed around because oftentimes you just don't know. And so I think an API is in many ways an empowering and unlocking mechanism to, to make it more transparent on what is actually going back and forth from a data standpoint. It's really where I think a lot of healthcare gets unlocked. When you think about at a foundational level, what, what companies like Stripe did for powering the e-commerce movement, or maybe a more recent example is, is thinking about what a company like Plaid did in the fintech world, where today, when you use a consumer fintech app, you are going through the rails that Plaid has set forth for how you move money between your bank account into your favorite stock trading app or, or investing app, for example. And so for us, it's we've seen this like magical combination of when you build the right technology APIs and, and unify it across our three business units being telehealth, pharmacy, and diagnostic, diagnostics, and you also now deliver the underlying service. I think what's really unique about TruePill is some of these companies I referenced, they're at the digital layer, and that is extremely valuable and useful for their specific industries or use cases. But in healthcare, we have learned very quickly that delivering the technology API layer is one part of the puzzle, when you now combine it with the underlying healthcare service or product, that's when you start to see some really cool things happen in the industry. So for us, I just feel like I've spent now four, almost five years in this industry, and I look under the hood of, of current technology standards, and there's a lot of like archaic things under the hood. There's never a day that goes by where I turn a stone over, and it's like, wow, this is how it's being done under the hood. And, and so I just think that you know, when I first came into this business in, in 2016 and I was looking at the concept of a, a RESTful API, as simple as that sounds and as for how long it had been ever since the dawn of sort of HTTP standards, the concept of REST and SOAP were, had been around for a long time. But in healthcare, 
I still seeing these archaic protocols and archaic methods to connect to different systems and services. To me, that was where I just started geeking out. And it was like just getting to a baseline of where we are today on internet technology and internet protocols. That was like a game changer in healthcare alone. And so that's where I kind of tend to stay focused on. There's tons of exciting stuff happening in, in imaging and, and computer vision and you know, talking to a startup just yesterday doing a bunch of cool AI and, and vision techniques in a hospital bed to, to monitor a patient to then predict their outcome and how quickly they might get out of the hospital, for example. You'll find plenty of examples of that, but I tend to stay focused on just something as simple as APIs because I think we're we're only scratching the surface of the true power of them to 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 fuel this shift in consumer healthcare. And so that's where that's where I tend to spend a lot of my thinking and time. And that's I'd say that's one single piece of technology, but it's it's an expansive one that I think can touch every part of healthcare when designed and built correctly. I actually think that's an awesome way to end the episode because, uh, you know, the listeners might not, a lot of listeners might not even know what an API is, you know, and uh, especially in healthcare, we know, you know, we know treatment, we know um, medications, you know, talking about pharmacists specifically, um, but from the technology side, there's a lot for us to learn. And I think, you know, for anyone that is looking for some extra um, work to do in their busy schedule, definitely look up what an API is and, and, and try to get a grasp onto what um, what Sid has mentioned, but Sid, this is a fascinating conf- uh, conversation and I really do appreciate it. What's the best way uh, for those to connect back with uh, TruePill? So we're very active on a, a number of social channels, so I highly recommend kind of following us there, but most importantly, I'd say come talk to us. We are actively hiring across nearly a hundred different roles and I think that's the best way to engage with us is if, if anything we're working on as we go through this consumerization shift, I always like to say there's never been a better time in healthcare to be to be in this industry. And so if you want to be involved in some of the, the consumerization or the digital first approach to how healthcare is going to change, it's going to change in the next several years. And if you're excited to kind of come join that journey and be part of our, our company, then uh, please reach out to us. And, and we're always happy to chat with folks there. Sid, again, thank you so much for your time. This was great and um, really appreciate the, uh, the insights. Awesome. This was a lot of fun. Thank you, Richard. Really hope you all enjoyed that episode. I'm going to include all of the uh, links to connect back with True Pill in the show notes. Uh, I thought it was super interesting just to hear how, you know, a lot of the uh, big brands uh, kind of utilize this API technology like to have the infrastructure on the back end uh, to deliver the services. So it's, it's a really interesting concept. And I'm, I'm glad we got to dive into their operations, what they're doing and, and what's on the horizon for True Pill. So uh, make sure to uh, connect with us on social media. Just search RX Radio on any of your favorite social media platforms. Uh, let us know what you thought about the episode. Make sure to subscribe if you haven't yet. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to the episodes. I really do appreciate it. And I hope you have a great rest of your day.